My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. My name is Dallas Montague. Today we have another incredible guest joining us, an author, Alexander Travel. Such a pleasure to have you here today joining us. How are you? In excellent form, thank you. And people keep telling me off for being so positive. So yeah, <laughs> I'm always in excellent form. And hey, well, we like admit- positive guests. That's a great thing. We'd love to hear from yeah. our guests that are chippy and happy. That's what we want, right? Why not? Makes for a better <clears throat> conversation, definitely. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and if you could just tell our so, audience the title of your book and where you're located, then we'll go into it a little bit deeper. Okay. Um, my name's Alex Travel, um, and I write um, primarily for a hobby, I suppose. Um, my latest book is called Crispin Or, and it, it's t- the title is deliberately chosen because Or is French for of gold, and the book is about a gold heist. So, <clears throat> big pardon. Uh, I'm located in the United Kingdom, uh, in the Midlands, um, and I've been writing now for, well, I guess, 30-odd years. Um, wow. But never before have I tried to put my books onto the, the public domain. So this is really the first one that I'm pushing and marketing or attempting to market. So you're telling okay, me that you've been writing for like- 30 years, but you haven't been sharing them with other people. Yeah. How? How is that even possible? Uh, no. Um, Primarily, I guess, for the past 25 or the previous 25 of them, um, it's work. Work, 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 mm-hmm. work, 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 with a bit more work. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I get that. I think it would just be hard for myself. If I if I wrote something and put so much heart and soul into it, and then I didn't share it with somebody, I would just feel like, man, I'm missing something here. And so I can't believe that you waited 30 years to, to give your books to the public. Um, again, it's... Uh, do you like it or not? It's uh, mm-hmm. yes. So there's a good question. Um, and I don't really have a good answer. It's all a case of you ask um, agents to, to sponsor you. And basically, unless mm-hmm. you're a well person, unless you're known, you're Harry right. Prince of uh, a well, or you're um, Jeremy Clarkson, or you're a well known person, or you're an already an established author, pretty mm-hmm. much they don't want to know you. You've got to push it all yourself. And previously, I just didn't have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And the know-how. I mean, nowadays, it's so much easier. But back then, I mean, even a couple of years ago, it was still hard for a, a normal guy oh, like us in, to make it happen. Right, right? Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you write until you're blue in the face. Um, yeah. And it's not going to get out to the public unless they know it's there. I mean, I've had a, a website for 10 years and more. And have been writing for some considerable time, but like I say, for the last thirty years or so. But it's it, people won't read it if they don't know it's there to read. Right, and there are That's millions the- of books out there, right, who are being oh, that right. are being yeah, written all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and that's why we them, love to have. Ab- go ahead, go ab- ahead. 
rubbish and some of them are, are little right. gems just mm -hmm. but again it can be the best book in the world mm -hmm. unless people know it's there to read they won't read it right that's why we love to author to bring our authors on to the podcast for our audience to hear directly from the author and not just hear the story or where to buy the book but their inspiration behind it because that's where we see that connection happen and we get to help that happen so if you could just tell us where did the inspiration for this book come from well like i said already i i write for a hobby and i've written for a number of uh, for, for a long time um, and this is essentially just a story mm -hmm. but um in my work I've, I've always written with extreme detail so i've written uh, uh, <clears throat> um, manuals procedures um flyers um working instructions so it's all very detailed very precise mm -hmm. so everything i write has to be has to have not just a grain of truth a whole wodge of truth and a whole wodge of reality believer believability in it <clears throat> so this one is a, a story about a gold heist but of course you'd think if you're going to write about gold heists it'll be somewhere like fort knox or a, or a national mm -hmm. bank or national reserves because that's what people think where all the big gold is or again you think oh well you know well it's mined in south africa it's mined um, mm -hmm. in, in in places across the world but gold mines ship it out regularly and they're heavily they're, they're, the procedures are very tight and their security is even tighter because <clears throat> they know people want to nick it um the difference is in the canadian arctic and to an extent it's still the same it's the same in the the russian arctic but getting into the russian arctic ain't gonna be so easy <laughs> better go to the other one <laughs> um, and, and and the penalties if you're caught mm -hmm. doing anything naughty are considerably stronger yeah so anyway the canadian arctic is is a place that's opening because there's an amazing amount of gold is is, is um extracted there so Canada, um, I discovered this through, again, through my work. So I went through a number of sem seminars on, on logistics in the, in the Canadian North. And, and it is quite frightening because the, <clears throat> they mine all the time. And, and when I say mine, for, particularly for gold, it's, it, it's really an industrialized panning um, sequence. <clears throat> so it, it's a... How can I explain that? The, Can the, the Canadian North is a stuck between the mountains in the that's the, the Rockies in the uh, in the west and the Appalachian type series mountains in the east. And between that is a huge alluvial plain, which for millennia has been washing down all these uh, high-grade materials in onto nice. that plain. So now it's lying, um, and that plain is primarily. Uh, about four feet down it's permafrost it's permanently frozen but what happens is during the the summer months ha, summer there it it melts and it just becomes a bog and there's there's no mm. good foundation to build roads or railways or any such thing so the rivers sort of melt and you can use those where they are and a lot there's an awful lot of rivers there so what happens is all this gold, all this silver, all this uh, uranium washes down in the rivers and it's in the riverbed. So basically what they do is they dig out the riverbed, chuck it in a big sieve, give it a good shake and the good, mm -hmm. and the good stuff mm -hmm. comes to the top. 
they scrape off the silver and the gold and <clears throat> but then they can't get it out because you know, all summer this place is a bog all winter it's frozen solid so you got uh, during the winter what the canadian government do is they build a series of ice roads and these ice roads last for or they used to last for up to like three months, but they would cost billions of dollars to build. But then that's worth doing it because yeah. you get billions or billions of dollars of uranium, silver, titanium, um, gold, um, and a host of other precious metals and materials. I think I think Canada is the world's fourth fourth or fifth biggest producer of potash, and that all comes off of these alluvial beds. Um, and this, again, is, this getting is stuff out. that people, normal people don't know this. We would never assume yeah, that. So I love that you bring up. that history into your book because we would never know. No. So getting it out is a big issue. So you've got these, these ice roads that they build in to the major, major centers where the, the stuff is, is accumulating. Um, but the ice roads, instead of lasting three months a year, are lasting only like two months a year. So that's mm. 10 months of stuff that just lying around waiting to be picked up well that's kind of allevi allevi alleviated because during this because of the global warming that is making the ice roads last less time the northwest passage is opening up so with icebreakers you can get to the coast so if they can get this stuff from the rivers to either the, the ice road end of the ice road for pickup or to the coast where a ship can pick them up you've got again so the Northwest Passage is probably navigable for as much as three months a year, but it's a hell of a long way round from Halifax, Nova Scotia, round to Vancouver, the other end. Um, <clears throat> it's something like 5,000 sea miles because of all the islands and stuff you have to go through. And most of that is still pack ice and it's, it's breakable through with an icebreaker, but you can, st you can get through it for about three months a year. So even that, you've got two months of ice roads in the winter and you've got three months of navigable sea in the summer that leaves on my calculation seven months accumulation of gold and in the Nunavut which is the northwest uh, the, the northernmost territory in Canada uh, they're mining on average 2.1 tons per month so seven months seven twos of 14 14 and a half tons and it works out to something like it's sixty thousand dollars a kilo and you've got a thousand kilos per ton you start adding the numbers up that's an got, awful got, lot of got some treasure here they're waiting wow. for somebody to take it <clears throat> and the trick is then how did you go about that so it's it's a story and a story has to have a good have to have bad guys and bad guys want to do something bad and a good story as a good guy is going to stop them. Wow. That's where it comes. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. This, <laughs> I, what number of book is this that you've written? If, if you could get a, put a count on it, number 30, number 10, what would you say? Oh, um, so about 14, 14. And I, I love yeah. that, as you said in the beginning, the details, the detail, even when you're explaining the, the history, historical pieces, all of this together, it just, I can understand that your writing is rich in this. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. But again, my characters, just like the, the location and uh, 
that the, the, the act itself have to be based in reality. They have mm -hmm. to be real people. Um, and they have to have the same emotions, the feelings that we do. Yeah. It's impossible to yeah. not feel like you're there, even when you're speaking. So I can't imagine reading the book itself, what it is like. Uh, good, good. So um, that's what I'm hoping you'll feel like. Mm -hmm. um, right through this, I hope that um, the people that read this, my my, my um, audience, will, will they'll associate with mm -hmm. all of the characters. They'll see where they're coming from and how they feel and how they react. And they'll feel, and particularly the... the the, the primary character, I'd like to think that they would feel the same morality, the drive um, that, that he would. And I do want to ask you, I'll also mention this, the, the importance of realism for you. So if you could just break that down, realism versus imagination in your story, what is that like? I like to think that you can't tell the difference. That, I mean, like I've explained, so... The situation is real. The, um, the all of the the things are real. So that when I explain how this happens, it's it's like, for instance, <clears throat> the ship is picked up on an, an MAIS, um, and you know what MAIS is? It's a Marine Automated um, uh, Information System. So all ships have to have it within the US seaboard. Um, and also that's the, the case within Europe. You don't have to have it if you're off at India or anywhere like that. But all ships have to have it in the same way as all aircraft are mandated to have an aviation information system. And that's particularly, that that's a, a non-turnoffable device, device ever since MH370. So that anywhere, anybody can pick up what where this aircraft is or where this ship is. Um, but with marine systems, you can turn it off. Um, but like I say, it's mandated within European and um, American waters, but not across the rest of the world. <clears throat> so um, for, the, for the story, for instance, the, uh, the, <clears throat> the bad guys, the pirates, um, because essentially that's what they are, have stolen a ship that will, this is an icebreaker, because they need to get up to the Arctic to do their bad deeds and start stealing gold. Um, <clears throat> so you don't want the rest of the world to know where that ship is. So you mm -hmm. turn off the MAIS. Yeah? But you, are, you have to turn it on again if you're in American or European waters. But you turn it off any other time. Um, and that becomes a function within the story itself. Because in the same way as... So if, if you lose all other uh, forms of navigation, for instance, like um, in this is, is a shootout on the bridge of the, of the ship and the, <clears throat> the GPS is shot out and the nav system is shot out. But this MAIS, not only does it receive the information from the ship via satellite to tell to the home base, it also pings back to the ship its location on the Earth's surface. Mm -hmm. So every five minutes, you get an update as to where you are on the Earth. So it's just a win some, lose some. But again, all of that is reality. <clears throat> so to find, <clears throat> to, to write about this, I uh, found uh, a ship online uh, so I could say, okay, 
this is where the decks go, this is where this old, this is where the site, this is how it all works, because this is a real ship right. that I've found. Okay, this is a ship that if I were the pirate, this is what I'd be stealing. Writing it from that perspective of putting yourself in that place of, okay, now I'm the thief. I'm I'm going in there taking the ice. That's yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. we need from an but author. You have to, because otherwise it doesn't become real. Um, mm -hmm. uh, oh, crikey. For instance, there's there's so many little things that you see and read about and uh, in in fiction that just don't make sense. We were watching a, uh, was it a Jack Reacher the other night? And there was this big shootout. So many times you see it. There's the guys with their pistols and they go bang, 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 and they win the firefight against guys with automatic weapon. You go, that ain't gonna happen in reality. <laughs> there's forty of them. There's two of them, and they still get it. Yeah, yeah. You win. Yeah, no, no, that's gonna happen. Yeah, that's an everyday occurrence. Yeah, mm -hmm. guys with the pistols win. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, doesn't happen. So anyway, so that's just like an anti-reality thing. So mm -hmm. in in that with respect. Every detail, it's for, for instance, to get on a flight to from uh, Heathrow to Boston, you look up the flight schedules so you know what time the guy lands in Boston, what the temperature is, what what day it is, that all that kind of detail in, in, in reality. You don't have to go, or I didn't feel you have to go into huge detail, but it's no point saying, well, I got off the plane and it was cold in Boston when it's May. It's like, mm. no, nah, that ain't going to happen either. Right. So you have to have, if you're going to be believable, you have to be accurate. Yeah. And as avid readers want, that's what they want. They want to feel like they're there. They want to escape the reality, go into the story, you know, be there. Discover the power of faith-driven marketing with Jesus Revolution Marketing. They're here to amplify your message as a Christian artist and boldly share Jesus with the world. Their specialized services create an online presence that shines His light. Ready to transform your impact? Visit www.jesus-revolution.ca and let's revolutionize your ministry through the digital age. Jesus Revolution Marketing, where faith meets marketing excellence. It Was You by Rod Sliwa, a story of war, friendship, and loss. An unexpected ending reveals what was in front of you the whole time. The story will take you to a different place and give you a glimpse of what it was like to grow up in times of war. Get your copy today on Amazon. In that, I'm not a great one for the sea but I know people that, are, that have been to sea mm -hmm. um, in uh, maritime in maritime roles. So I've asked them the simple questions. Did I get this wording right? Do you call the, uh, a, a corridor a corridor? And no, it's not. It's, it's, it's a gangway. Um, simple things like that. And it's right. <clears throat> when you say, we're going to do, we're going to, uh, so, I was in aviation, so you'd say you steer 036 degrees. They say, no, mate, you don't do that. You go north or west. Yeah. So little things like that um, <clears throat> to, to get that right. And also um, within aviation, you choose the right plane and you say, you got off this plane and it's that's the plane that would do the normal service. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you can describe the interior plane. You can go and look at it. If you really wanted to, you could go and look online and say, well, what flies from 
uh, I don't know, uh, Boston to Ottawa. How would you do that? Well, you'd have to choose. There isn't a direct flight. So which, which flights would you use and what planes would they use? And you could look that up on your, online for yourself if you look. And with wonders of the internet, you can actually get an inside shot of what a plane looks like. Yeah. Alex, I want to celebrate you as an author because we don't have enough authors like this. And you are one of those authors that deserve to be known because you put so much sweat and tears into the book itself to make to be accurate, to portray the right story. Thank you. Thank you for doing no, that. That's fine. My daughter says it's too much detail. <laughs> no, I don't I don't know though. I want if I'm gonna read a book, I wanna be there. I want I want every yeah, detail. Yeah, you have to remember she's a girl. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Yep. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the the audience. Who would you who did you write this book for? For everybody, really. Um, I guess primarily the audience is initially going to be men, um, because there isn't really a, a love story within it. But you know, I've written love stories before. Um, um, in fact, the the first uh, I would, wouldn't say the first book, but the the first. The first, uh, yeah, yeah, the first proper book that I, that I wrote was written for my wife because I used to, I started off writing as a accountant to Tolkien, um, <clears throat> uh, because Tolkien writes his stories are great, but there's too much, there's too many magical get outs. It's like, oh, we're faced with a thousand dwarfs. Well, I'm just going to go invisible. Mm. Really? <laughs> okay. It's a great little magic story, but it's it's like, oh come on. <laughs> Um, and she said, "Well, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't uh, get into that kind of uh, book, um, and you could never write a book that would, would interest me." So I did. I wrote a love story for her, um, and she and my daughter loved it. Uh, but again, is the time to market it? Is is was the big right. deal? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But again, all of that had to be based in reality. You had you had to look up where's where, what's what. What is what is happening? What isn't happening, and and so on, and so forth, and base it in a real timeline. Yeah, and outside yeah. of the adventure and the suspense, there, what is your overall message that you're trying to get across to your audience? I want them to uh, enjoy what they're reading and be completely absorbed in it. Um, but by the same token, I mean, I think uh, I mean you're talking about. I mean, I'm not quite sure what you're looking for here. I mean, <clears throat> there's always it's a it's a story about good and bad, so there is always a, a moral attitude or moral thing to it. Right. Um, and within that, it's how people change because I mean, I mean, even even the, the, the primary character, he, he's a maritime detective, but he doesn't go about killing people. And in this story, he ends up having to kill people, <clears throat> and um, not at all comfortable with it, but again, in that same process, it hardens him as an individual because he realizes that it comes to realize that um, it's a hateful thing to do, it and, and it leaves you damaged for the rest of your life. But it, the the, the bad guys will do it without compunction, mm -hmm. and to counter them, you've got to be almost as bad as they are in right. for the for the sake of the good. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose there is morality in there. Yeah. 
I really appreciate your time and explaining your book and joining us here. I hope to have you on to talk about your other books. Are you working on putting those other books out for the public as well, or this is just the first one to start? Oh, well, this is the first one I've actually had the, the wherewithal to market. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, this is the, the first one in that. <clears throat> but I've written a whole series of um, sci-fi murder stories because murder stories are ten a penny. You know, it's like oh yeah. You see some, well, I, I guess you don't, but you see things like the Midsummer Murders. It's a good grief. It's mm -hmm. the murder capital of the, the world, and actually it's just up the road from us, and it's like, nah, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. This is it. <laughs> People don't get murdered every day. I mean, there are mm -hmm. murders, don't get me wrong, yeah. but they, it doesn't happen on the frequency that they, they, they make it out. Um, and again, I was exploring the, the idea, it's like, for instance, like, you're an American, you won't like this particularly. <clears throat> but the United States doesn't recognize the international law of the sea. So how are they then, do they have the authority to uh, impose? The, there's the space call now, isn't there? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> how they have the, or think they have the authority to impose law across the universe? Or So <clears throat> we're talking now about people going to the moon. So when you go to the moon, if you've got a Chinese base and you've got Americans up there at the same time and the two interact somehow, one of them bumps their car into the other, whose law comes into, fight, into place? Yeah? Whose yeah. law is it? Mm -hmm. It's without law. And it will be right across the cosmos unless there is law laid down. And that law mm -hmm. has to be something that goes to the United Nations. To, well, as I see it, the United Nations have to impose. But then the United Nations have no remit beyond the Earth's surface. So that's an interesting concept. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that is that is wild. Yeah. And then we we put Mars into the mix too. Like they're trying oh. to go to Mars as well. Like what is this going to be like? Well, yeah, well, exactly. So you go. I mean, the, the Moon's going to be a, a hodgepodge because mm -hmm. there will be uh, Americans and Russians and Chinese, probably Indians. By the way, the Indians are going. <clears throat> all and they'll all be wanting setting up their own bases. But as you say, when you get to Mars, is it the first one there says, right, right. Mars is off. <laughs> yeah. But the law, the international law, as already stated down, says you can't do that. No nation may claim ground off of Earth. Hmm. So that's no. How that's exciting! There's that... a lot to come. There's a lot to come yeah. in the coming years. Well, and again, and they're they're about a series of murders that happen off world and wow who takes charge that that is said, definitely needed to be you, a book you guys you guys definitely. you are going to pre uh but we haven't got a prison and actually murder's not illegal up here so what are we gonna okay. do do me a yeah. favor after we finish up here please get this book on amazon please start marketing these this series ah, of books as well so they are available on amazon as ebooks okay so you Got, you've got um, an unusual profession, which is the first one, which is where the uh, the primary character gets <clears throat> conned into going to Mars mm -hmm. to be the chief of police, uh, and then uh, a law unto herself where she uh, <clears throat> has to create a law because there's a murder. So, what do you do with the murderer? Well, you have to cause them guilty, but you know what do you do then? Um, and then there's a, a number of ones, and they're all on Amazon as ebooks. 
Yeah. Wonderful. Right. Yeah. If you can tell our audience your, your website as well, that way we can sure. connect with you. My and- website is Alexander dash Travel. And so that's a, a single dash in the middle, Alexander Travel dot UK. And you can UK. find them all on there. Okay. I'm going to add that to our description below. They can find the, this book okay. on Amazon as well as your website below, and they can connect mm-hmm. with you, get on a, a mailing list. Maybe if you have something like that, they can check out your your other books. Yeah. I really appreciate sure. your time here today. Yeah, there's a, there's a bookshelf on the website, so you can okay. find all those books quite easily there. Wonderful. Anything else you want, to, yeah. want our audience to take away from your time here today? Mm. Uh, uh, no, it's... Hey, it's really good of you to talk to me in the first place. Um, I've not done this kind of thing. I mean, I've done uh, work conversations on Zoom before, but, but never done a, like a private one. Well, you're more <clears> than <throat> welcome to come back onto our a... podcast. You're more <laughs> than welcome. You're invited back. So, Alex, thank you again for joining us today. We hope to have you back on another episode. This is the My Life Now podcast. We'll see you guys on the next episode.